You know, episode 99 is supposed to be pretty good. At least that's what I hear some of the local critics saying. They say this one should be pretty good. Just telling you what I heard. And why? Why, you ask? Is this one going to be extraordinarily good? It's because my man Alan Sliwa will be the featured guest. Alan is now a sports radio host at ESPN 710 down in Los Angeles doing Lakers talk. And our paths crossed, then they crossed again, then they went in opposite directions, and now on the Here We Go podcast, they're going to cross. They're going to collide. Our paths are about to collide. Alan actually played a pretty important role in my life, at least my professional life when I was getting involved in radio initially, because I almost stumbled into the industry. You know, some people have this direct path of how they're going to enter a very desired field My story is not exactly that. I remember before my senior year of college feeling like, you know what, journalism, broadcast, okay, maybe one day, maybe I'll be a reporter, maybe I'll be a writer, maybe try to weasel my way onto TV. But for now, comedy. Honestly wanted to try it. The world of stand-up. And I was getting involved in very small shows in San Diego, doing five minutes here, open mic here, alternative comedy nights, giving me 10 minutes paying me zero dollars, yet I was feeling a little inspired, and then my senior year of college starts, and I kind of have the realization of, all right, I guess some sort of a career path would be good, or at least something that requires me to even be at a university. So in journalism, they make you take an internship, which is great. It's probably the greatest thing you could do, is take an internship, even if you have to be forced into one. And Alan, who was my neighbor in these ugly apartments near San Diego State, He was already an intern at the Mighty 1090 in San Diego, which was just about to become a big force in Southern California because Petco Park was opening and there was no other competition. And they had some big names on the lineup and apparently a lot of money. They had the funding. So for all of the reasons that a radio station should succeed, 1090 at that time, I believe this is 0304 around then, was supposed to be something special. And I talked to Alan. I was like, I need an internship. And he said, I'll see what I could do. And it was not a radio internship. It was a promotions internship with the radio station. So although I was loving it, absolutely loving it, because you're at every event involved with people in sales, with people in programming, with people in promotions, with executives, athletes, celebrities, there were a lot of really fun events to attend. But I realized probably towards the end of my senior year in college, I might as well turn this into a real internship. So I talked to a few people on the programming side and they're like, yeah, whatever you need. We'll help you cut a tape. We'll help you make a demo. Come in, learn to run the board, learn to produce, learn the ropes. And forgive me if I've talked about this before because 99 episodes, I've probably repeated myself quite a bit, but there was a guy named Ernie Martinez and I loved Ernie. Great laugh. Great man. At Hooters, we were watching a Super Bowl, Panthers and Patriots. Janet Jackson, Nipple Slip, very famous halftime show with Justin Timberlake. And Ernie said, hey, come into the studio tomorrow morning. Just shadow me. And that's where it started. I shadowed Ernie, then I'd shadow other people. Then I just keep showing up. It's like Kramer in that episode where he just keeps coming back to work. And they're like, do you even work here? What's in the briefcase? That was me. Just create my own internship. I'll show up for the fishing show. I'll show up for the golf show. I'll show up for the night show. And if you're able to observe Meaning you still maintain your status as an intern. You're not trying to get involved in every conversation to prove yourself. You're just kind of a 
comfortable presence for people to be around, a reliable presence of, yeah, I can talk sports. I can get things done, whatever you need. Then they like you. There's my advice, young people. Get an internship and try to just become part of the crew. Whatever they're doing, assimilate a little bit. Maintain your individual self. Find that authentic voice. Oh, buddy, is that the mantra? So one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And as I'm elevating my career on the programming side, going from sports anchor to host to better slots, my friend Alan had gone into sales where you got an opportunity to make some money. And maybe that's why he went in the direction. I guess we'll find out later in this episode. But as Alan went into sales, you know, wearing a tie to work, I was on the other side, the animal house side, and we remained friendly. And then when I left the station to go to 1360 Clear Channel, he soon after went to LA and we lost touch. But I love the guy. Incredibly funny. When we were promotions interns together, I remember having insane laughs, like thinking this guy should be on the air. So when I heard that he is on the air now, he jumped from sales to programming and the guy's a night host on the second biggest market. In America, I was thinking, yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't surprised. I was the opposite of surprised. I almost expected it. It's a meritocracy. This guy deserves to be talking Lakers hoops is what I'm saying. So I thought of all the significant people you meet, like social capital in life. Who directs you here? Who inspires you? Who's fun to be around? Who do you learn from? Even though we're the same age, Alan certainly played a role in my life. So I hunted him down. I said, hey, how about it? Come on the show. And he did not return my first text. And I figured, okay. I assume my name shows up in his phone and he goes, nah, Rosenberg, this piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. But then eventually he got back to me and said, hell yes, I want to come on your podcast. Let's do it. So without further ado, what is a do? Is that a French word that we use? Think about all the French words we use on a daily basis. Entree, cul-de-sac, menage à toi, bon appétit. Should I keep going? I've thought about this before. That's why It's also readily available in my brain. A lot of French vocab has slipped into our English-speaking ways. Déjà vu? What else? Carte blanche? But yeah, I think adieu is French. So I'll just use a French word. Without further adieu-ing it, adieu-do-do, here's my conversation with my old friend Alan Sliwa from ESPN LA. What's up, Rosie? I got about 11 producers right now with me. Okay, it's a pretty big operation here. I have a team of attorneys just <laughs> behind me right now that's just waiting. Dude, I have, I, a, I have a guy hanging banner tape on my garage door for this. So just prepare yourself. I have four interns around the <laughs> clock, whatever I need. I want grilled cheese. They're making grilled cheese. I had a kid wheel a vending machine Whoa, wait, wait, wait. What did they used to have for us of No Fear Sobe? No Fear Sobe in my kitchen oh for this. Oh my God, Sobe. I, I know very little nowadays about the industry, but I, I feel like I know just enough to feel like I'm still informed here and there. Although, my God, life has changed so tremendously since I left the business. And now I see how you're ascending, and it genuinely makes me happy. That's why I was thinking if I was to get some of my favorite people to do this podcast, why not get Sliwa, who's now doing nights on ESPN 710 in LA? So I really do appreciate you joining this. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you sent me. T- Here's the thing. So I, because I do the show at night, I'm kind of all over the place during the day. Like there's nothing worse than just like you have to wait all day. Like I don't know about you. I like getting things out of the way. So when you sent the second text, I'm like, holy shit, I completely forgot about the first text. So my bad on that. Oh, I thought I was getting big timed for sure. 
I was like, this dude goes to L.A. and I get it. I get it. But this Where's is really going to launch. <laughs> this is going to launch your career, pal. All right. I have to go memory lane before we even talk radio or talk hoops. We lived in the Dorchester apartments together. So we weren't roommates, uh, but we lived in this yes. apartment complex about a half mile from San Diego State. And we would take a shuttle to campus. And this still is how there. I met you. I actually, I actually still live there. I just signed another, <laughs> I signed another three-year lease, about a three-year lease there. So, Are you still at the to, Dorch? Just trying to finish my credits at State, just trying to finish everything there. Okay, yeah, so we used to take a shuttle, we used to take a shuttle to, to State. You barbecuing dogs on the patio at 10 a.m.? Hey, dog? <laughs> you need a dog? No, I'm good, pal. I swim, I swim every morning. I use the pool. Still use the pool there. <laughs> With a cap. Oh, I love it. And a Speedo. <laughs> so they would take us in the shuttle. I remember, you know, it was we could have walked, but we were in the shuttle together. And I was telling you, you know something? I don't have much direction after this whole college thing. And you were telling me that you're already in the door at this new radio station I had never heard of called the Mighty 1090, which really just launched and Petco Park was about to open. And it felt like something big was happening. And you helped me get an internship, which was actually a class requirement. It wasn't just like for my career. I needed one at San Diego yeah. State. And I think I was a little lazy back then because when they broke me the news that, yeah, we could take you in, but all you would be doing is hanging banner tape and handing out keychains, I was so happy. It was one of the most enthusiastic celebrations of my entire radio career because I really didn't want more responsibility and you helped facilitate that. That's hilarious. I remember we used to hand out koozies, right? We get yep. the roller banner. I'm like, uh, you know, the way we'd set up the roller banner too, this is like the things, those details I'm so bad at. By the time I was done cutting it, I'm like, you can't hang this up. This thing is so crooked, right? And this was, that was our only job. Our yes. only job was put up a couple banners and that's all you have to do. Um, man, you know, Rosie, it's going to be funny because this conversation that we're going to have will probably bring up so many memories that I kind of, in a sense, you know, you just forgot about because I haven't had this conversation in so long. Uh, 1090 was just starting, you know, we were all in college. I think that was actually one of the, one of the best things I ever did. Anytime I talk to a college student, one of the things I'm always saying is like, get an internship, right? Yeah, like just yeah. get in the freaking door and if you can get in the door, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a long time ago, but it was, it was interesting timing for a station that was literally just starting. Yeah. And you had a good work ethic about it. You're right. You like cared about the koozies, the keychains, the banner tape. You had this white truck. You would pick me up. We'd go to these events. And I remember one of the first requirements was Tony Gwynn was signing autographs at like some golf expo. And someone told me, hey, Josh, cut off the autograph line, which meant I had to tell a guy who's holding all these Tony Gwynn cards. Yeah, Tony's done signing. He's like, well, I'm not done standing here. Okay, it's over. <laughs> Keep the line moving. Cut off the autograph line seemed like a simple task, but I was just upsetting people who came from so long and so far away to get that man's autograph. So challenges I faced in the internship. That's about it. Everything else was just so fun. My God, we would go to these big buffets and bars were open, hanging out with Chargers Padres and like celebrities. I know you're probably still doing that. But as my career progressed, I still look back so fondly on the first year of it when we were just getting our feet wet. Okay, so here's a funny story. So I was getting ready. I, I was um, I finished an internship, got a job in promotions. This was when it was still six ninety. Okay, and then two weeks into my getting a paycheck, now six ninety sold to L.A. So 
Like all these people had been with 690 for years. They were all devastated. I'm two weeks in and I'm like, that's it. Like that was my reign at 690 was two weeks, 690 sold. And then I was now waiting for 1090 to start. I was no waiting. Way. There was rumors. There was rumors that 1090 was going to start. Right. So 1090 gets started and I got to wait because they were already hiring somebody else in promotions. I was kind of, you know, reaching out to some people that I knew that that I knew there. Long story short. Remember Rich Bachman? Of course. Promotions? Of course. Okay. Rich Bachman tells me, he goes, Alan, listen, I have a promotions guy that's going to leave. But when he leaves, and if I hire you in promotions, one of the requirements is that your truck is part of our promotions vehicle. <laughs> so every event you go to, we're going to use this Nissan Frontier that, you know, can tow nothing. Uh, that's going to be, right. you know, we're going to put our tent in there, this, right, that. Right. I'm like, I'm like, uh, first thing I was thinking of, I'm like, okay, that's all you need. Perfect. No problem. Um, no joke, Rosie. The first event, one of the first events I had ever done with my truck, San Diego state basketball game. You know how we would set up before some of these games, sure, with a mini hoop. like an idiot. I parked my car just like, I'm going to unload real quick. Just real quick. I just started the job. I'm going <laughs> to unload real quick. I come back. I have like a $365 ticket for parking where I parked. So I'm like, uh, Rich, I know you're paying me like eight bucks an hour. Here's 365 <laughs> bill just to get things started. What do you think? What do you oh, think? Oh, that's great. You started in debt. They just shaved it off the top. Put it on sleeves tab. A, I had a loan before I even started. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't realize you were in the building at 690 when they moved up to L.A. That's interesting. You were so young. How old were you? So I was my junior year. I want to say my sophomore or junior year in college at state. And I was doing the same thing you said. Remember how it was a requirement to do the internship? So I did mine at 690, did it all summer. And then two weeks in, they sold 690 up to LA and pretty much iced the station. And that was it. There was no more, there was no more sports talk radio in San Diego until Lynch came in and, and, uh, and bought 1090. Yeah, that's a famous story because outside of WFAN, that was like one of the first wall to wall, 24 hours of really credible hosts putting together a great sports station. And that's why 1090 felt big. That's why mm -hmm. when they launched, and there were big names in the house. You remember Matt Vaskersian was there, Leitner. That's right. Uh, Steve Mason was there. And we just saw the lineup continually change and change and change. But Philly by the- Billy. Philly Billy. Oh, was he funny to work with? He, mm -hmm. he actually, I have a big place in my heart for Philly Billy because he didn't big time anybody. He, he seemed like, even though we were interns, no, he, lo he loved you know smoking cigars with us. He brought me into the dugout to see Mike Piazza one day just to hang That's out. Amazing. Yeah, he was well connected. But you and I have lost touch a little bit because when you jumped to L.A., I was still doing sports radio in San Diego. And of course, I saw you make the transition from the world of sales to programming and now a host in a major market. So just give me that story. How did you make this jump? Because I've always told you it's so well-deserved, but I don't really know what went down. Uh, I'm not sure either, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, no, no. Here's here's the reality. Reality is, um, when I left when I left 1090 down in San Diego, you know, I felt like, um, and I love San Diego. That's home. That's the bottom line. It will always be home. And you know, I still go down there almost every other weekend. All my family's down there. But I thought for what I was doing at 1090, I pretty much reached this like ceiling that I was always going to be considered, you know, the young kid and you know, the, the kid that was interning and then promotions and all that stuff. So the Lakers broadcast was about to go to ESPN 710. It had been with 570 Fox for years. Um, I mean, years, Rosie. I don't know how long, but it had been there for a long time. So the moment I got word that it was moving, 
I kind of went, um, I went all in basically like, what do I got to lose? Let me go see if I could try and continue doing what I was doing in San Diego, but in LA. So the idea was I'd continue, you know, obviously, um, on the business side, selling sponsorships and everything else. So the main thing for me was I didn't feel like I had anything to lose. I was gambling to come up here, but I thought, okay, if I'm going to stay on the business side, I'll use what I've been doing now for, you know, almost five years in San Diego. Let me see if I can now get that into a gig in Los Angeles on the Lakers radio broadcast, all that stuff. Again, kind of the game plan was this is part of the progression, right? This is part of the evolution. Can I do it in a big major market? Can I, you know, be one of these seven, eight, nine, ten reps that represent the station and go sell the Lakers radio broadcast? So I, I got the opportunity to do that, came up to LA and then, you know, really Josh, Here's the reality. The reality is I listen to all those shows and I'm very passionate about Lakers basketball in the NBA. I always wanted to make that jump. I mean, you know that when we were at San Diego State, my degree is in journalism, right? Communications with the emphasis in journalism. Sure. So my thought was always at some point, will I get this opportunity? I'm not sure if I will, but about five years in at 710, I pretty much had decided like I got to just at least express to them I have some interest in this and let's just see what they say and you know it, it I probably waited too long or just never felt like the timing is right but uh, Mike Thompson who was a program director there I told him I just said listen I've, I've always wanted to do this can I just come in on weekends and just use the studio to practice that's all I'm asking for you know so an incredible amount of like small steps and every kind of small step they would be okay with it. Like I wasn't asking for the world, you know what I mean? So for a year I'd come in on Saturdays and just do practice shows. So I would just literally practice. And then, um, you know, eventually I had a plan. I had a presentation. I had some sponsors that would follow along with me if I could do one hour on Saturdays, just talking Lakers basketball. So I presented that to the general manager. And to be honest with you, I think you know, what does he have to lose? I, I, I put together the business plan. I want to talk Lakers basketball in Los Angeles. I knew Lakers basketball. And that kind of got the thing ignited. And still, it took a long time for me to make a full transition because I've only been doing this full time now since September. Right. So it hasn't even been a year. Wow. But um, but that was kind of the those were the steps to eventually get there. And they're just incredible amount of small steps. But then you kind of look back and say, okay, well, all these small steps now looks like they added up a little bit. That's so smart of you, though, to come with the sponsorships and the endorsements and say, look, I could sell a show for an hour on a Saturday, but at least it gives them a chance to put their ears on your show, to which they realized, oh, he's good. Oh, he knows Lakers hoops. He knows how to talk to people. Plus, he's got a sense of humor. You've always been funny. So the fact that you could put all of that into a show that you care about nowadays is amazing. And I got to ask you, it's not like you're doing Milwaukee Bucks radio or Orlando Magic. You're doing Lakers talk. Does it almost feel dream come true-ish at times? Or is it just, you know, this is my job now? Um, I definitely have moments. Like there's moments where, uh, you know, you're taking callers and I'm passionate and they're really passionate. And they'll say, Slee will love the show, you know, like something like that. And it's like, okay, that feels, that feels great, you know, where yeah. um, there's that kind of, you know, quick satisfaction of like, wow, okay, this, this maybe has something or, um, this has kind of built itself over time. But then there's also the reality of, I don't know. I don't think you, you sit back and you pay too much attention. You just kind of keep rolling up your sleeves 
and just say, okay, well, let's just get back to work. And I think, I think I, I, I think that to me has probably been one of my strengths is where I'm not paying attention to like what's behind me. I'm just kind of like, let's just keep going. Let's see if we could just keep going forward. So I don't want to say that I, I haven't stopped to smell the roses, but I think I'm just so focused on what I'm doing that I'm okay with just letting whatever happened happen based upon I know I'm going to prep, I know I'm going to put in the work, and then I'll just see what happens from there. We could smell some roses right now, just for a moment. That's what my podcast is. It should be called Smell Those Roses with Josh Rosenberg. That's not bad. You know? That's not bad. Kind of remind people, hey, how, how right special there. is this? You know, it's a natural path. And I do believe in that, where people fall in place where they should in life, at least if they're lucky. But do you remember when you fell in love with the medium? Was it listening to Chick Hearn when you just said, you know, radio is something that fits. It's just like where my mind is, where my heart is. Because I remember listening to Greg Papa, and that was probably the one guy where I was like, I don't just love the guy, but I want to follow that path. He was doing Warriors, A's, Raiders. I just loved Greg Papa. I'm guessing your childhood memories of Chick Hearn must have been strong. You know what it is, Rosie, for me? Um, first of all, Chick Hearn, any time I hear a highlight of Chick, it's just different. Yes, you know, like, yes. Like you hear that voice, you start thinking about when you were a kid, you might think of your family and your parents and like, oh my God, I remember that moment. So Chick Hearn, I mean, his voice and I'm, listen, um, the same could be said for, uh, you know, Vince Scully or whatever it is, like whoever your guy is, but there's certain voices that just take you to a, a different world, you know, your past. Chick was always like that. But sports talk radio, you know what, what I loved about sports talk radio? I loved after Laker games where the discussion kind of continues. So like Sports Center, you could turn on and watch highlights, but it's going to be for two minutes, and then they got to go cover all the other teams. I love that you could turn on the radio, and for another hour after the game ended, you have all this great banter that's going on. Um, I always was like, man, that's the coolest thing in the world. Like, how great is that? It's not rushed. It's it's very, It felt very organic. So I was always a fan of that. You know, actually – Here's a name, and I know obviously you worked with him for a number of years. Coach Cantera. Cantera, back in the 690 days, you know, he wasn't doing Lakers postgame or anything like that. But Cantera, locally for us down in San Diego, Lakers would have a big playoff game. They'd win. Well, naturally, he's going to be talking about the game right after. And I remember there'd be times that I'd call in. Like, mm. I loved that. I loved the, okay, well, the 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 game didn't have to end right when the game ended. It actually continued. So that, that was always, uh, that was that always drew my interest. You're right. It wasn't squeezed. Like coming up every five minutes, a new segment, a good post game show can breathe. Where did they do the live post game show? When Petco park opened, do you remember it was like a fancy bar and lounge area where we would be there till uh, 1am some nights. It was at the, uh, Manchester grand Hyatt. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. People would come Manchester up to coach. And they love the voice. They love what he meant. That's true. Radio is kind of an intimate relationship you develop with strangers because people do get to know you over time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's something special about that. How is this pandemic affecting you? Are you doing your show from the studio? Are you doing your show from home? Where are you going? So since probably March 12th, March 13th, uh, everything has been from home. Everything. Wow. So, you know, we have the ability, not that it sounds great, not that it's perfect, but we have the ability on our phone. We literally use an app on the phone. It's a Comrex and we're able to, you know, go live on 710. So from six o'clock to nine o'clock, you know, I sit at my place and I do the show. Now I will be going back. So July 29th, just for the Lakers broadcast, I'll be there for the pre and post post game show, but for everything else, uh, we'll still be doing our shows from here. 
But for the Lakers' actual broadcast, when they start that bubble in Orlando, we'll be doing it from uh, from our studios. Well, that bubble Crazy. in Orlando, the trip. I know. I can't imagine. You know, it's a it's a big operation. But if it's just from your couch, you know, with your own window view, it could kind of feel small sometimes. But they're trying to, obviously, like you just mentioned, go to Orlando one site, invite the teams, hope for the best. They have all the precautions and protocols. Do you think it'll be a success, or could you see one guy testing positive and just shutting the whole thing down pretty quickly? Man, you know, John Ireland, who's the voice of the Lakers, um, you know, I know he's just so well-connected, right? So he he's told me this maybe three weeks ago. He said, you should be cautiously optimistic. And I think that just kind of stuck with me. They have to try. They don't have to, but, you know, they, they, they want to try, right? Um, there's plenty of financial incentives, and, you know, of course – consumers are hungry for sports um they want to finish the season this is as i think as good of a plan as any sport has come up with but then you hear adam silver saying yesterday like all you need is a couple cases Mm -hmm. inside the bubble if it if it um if it gets inside the bubble there's only so much you can control so if you're asking me do i think they'll crown a champion this year Man, what an accomplishment that would be. You know, like whatever that looks like and however it ends up, um, it would be a crazy accomplishment. I keep saying this. I say it on the, on the show all the time. Like this is just straight out of a movie. Like what are we talking about? You know, <laughs> I agree. This bubble, um, stopping the virus from entering the bubble. Uh, it's just like every day is a little bit different. And yeah, so since uh, it's crazy because. Rosie, I wasn't supposed to be doing my own show every night. Like I was supposed to just eh, a day or two a week based upon Laker games and everything else. Then this happened and it was five days a week doing a show, you know, for two and a half, three hours. And there's no sports. Oh, my God. Since like I think I started, you know, I started right away, March 11th, March 12th, when, you know, when COVID started by like March 15th. I'm like, I'm out of content. (laughs) I don't have anything left. So I don't know what else you guys want. But uh but yeah, it's 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 been it's been a trip. Are you guys just so, going so down memory lane? Is it Elgin Baylor talk, James Worthy talk? I mean, how often are you bringing up nostalgia to get through that show? Um, what happens a lot is, first of all, in a weird way, there's still a lot of news, right? So Adam Silver might say something, or um, you know, I'm talking all the sports. So whether it's baseball, Rob Manfred, and and, and baseball trying to figure things out, or so there's been definitely there's always been topics to have, but man, it's it's nothing I think anybody signed up for. But what I will say is like talk about getting reps in and just trying to figure it out as you go. That's the definition of that. So you just spark a trade rumor every night. I'm hearing right now that Curry is on his way to L.A. You know, it's funny, Alan. I still haven't been to the new Warriors Arena, the Chase Center. I had yeah. tickets that week in March. They were playing the Nets the very next night, wow. and they shut it down completely. Isn't it weird to think this is still the same season? Like, when they start later this month, it's still the same season. It, it will feel totally fresh, totally new, surreal, and bizarre. And I'm hoping this works, because as a teacher right now, they're going to send us back into the classroom. We'll be in close quarters with other humans, and even if we take all the precautions, people are very worried. So if the NBA can show me that a bunch of guys in the paint fighting for a rebound or having a safe, a somewhat safe experience. I think this could be inspiring for other fields, for other professions to say there's a way around this pandemic. That's not going away anytime soon. That's actually, that's a good point to bring up. I mean, I think so much of the time um, we're, we're talking about, 
I think the league is spending $150 million to put oh, together wow. this bubble in Orlando. Wow. And, and it's like every league is going to become this, you know, potential blueprint, like data. That's all it is. Like the NFL wants to know how is MLS, Major League Baseball, and NBA going to do by the time they could potentially have to, you know, have games. And, you know, let's go way past sports. You're right. Like every industry, every, every restaurant that tries to open up, every salon and barbershop and gym, like this is all new to everybody. And we still don't have what it, I mean, it's so weird because we're so accustomed to having answers, wanting answers, knowing what's on the schedule, knowing exactly what it's going to look like. And talk about just being thrown into a whirlwind. Like nobody has any idea what tomorrow holds 30 days from now, 60 days, just go on from there. Well, does it create anxiety for you? It creates anxiety for me sometimes. The uncertainty in every facet of life that you just mentioned, I feel like this residue, even though I'm happy most days, I feel it. Like it's palpable mm-hmm. that things just got so weird in a hurry. I uh, I felt it. There were a couple days where, you know, we're being told, okay, looks like sports is coming back. And listen, sports is not the end all be all. Of course it's not, 100%. But I think sports can also maybe bring a little bit of normalcy back. And then for us, you know, for myself personally, this is my line of business as well. So it affects it, not just sitting on the couch and changing the channel, which don't get me wrong. I love doing that more than anybody else, but also affects like just your day to day, your business, everything else. So I think that kind of the highs and lows that comes with sports is coming back to, okay, FC Dallas is now out of this MLS tournament. I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? (laughs) Or the Brooklyn Nets have, you know, five guys that aren't, you know, all tested positive. They're not going to Orlando. It would be, and I know we would have already gone through it, but damn, would it be a punch in the gut if let's just say the NBA tries to do it. And then they're like, we're out. We can't make it happen. We'll try again in 2021. And and Josh, that could easily happen. Yeah. I, I hate to say it. That punch in the gut is exactly what I'm expecting. And I'm not trying to be negative or cynical, but no, you can it's, be real. I, I, by halftime of the first game, I could see a team doctor running on the court and just saying, shut this shit down. I, I, I don't know. I feel like every story I read goes against what the NBA and all sports are attempting to do. But I've never hoped to be wrong like this because I'm a sports fan like you and it's been really empty lately. I got a bunch of quick ones for you because I know you're a busy man. When I was doing sports talk in San Diego for about 13 years, the number one topic was obviously, will the Chargers stay or will the Chargers go? I don't know how many hours I talked about that single topic more than anything in the world of Padres baseball. Aztecs athletics or anything else and in the end of course boom off to LA there's so many different opinions and viewpoints but you think the Chargers could actually develop a fan base in LA if it's 10 years from now and they're having a lot of success are there enough people in that region where the Chargers could actually become the LA Chargers with a real fan base so right now I would say they're bigger than the Lakers and the Dodgers combined. I mean, what? there's just I'm <laughs> Josh, Josh, I'm telling you right now, there's in six fans that are rooting for the Chargers. I mean, here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. And I I know um, you know, this is kind of more personal for me because oh, yeah. I'm from San Diego, but let's put all that to the side for a second. All right? There's no market for them up here. Nobody cares that they're up here. They really genuinely don't. Like when when you saw those games at Dignity Health or whatever the heck that, you know, that that stadium's called 
um, when you saw, you know, first of all, they couldn't sell out a 25,000 seat stadium. It's an NFL franchise, right? And on top of that, um, if the Chiefs were in town, Chiefs were dominating the, you know, the the stands. If it was the Packers, it was the Vikings. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was a division opponent or somebody in the uh, in the NFC. Um, so when you ask me, could something change in five years, ten years, or something along those lines? I genuinely, genuinely believe that if you had to rank sports, LA Times did this. LA Times did, you know, your favorite team. And the Chargers took 1.2% of the uh, – <laughs> think about that. They took 1.2% of the Los Angeles market. And I'm talking teams in front of them included the Galaxy, included the Angels, included um, – uh, I don't know if LAFC was in front of them. but And that wasn't even counting USC and UCLA. But if you want to talk football in Los Angeles, uh, just football in general, you're going to have Rams fans. You're going to have Raider fans. You're going to have SC fans. You're going to have UCLA fans. And then you're probably going to name off four or five other NFL teams before you get a blip of the Chargers. So it's sad. It really is because yeah, I agree. it'd be different. It'd be, it'd be different if they left San Diego and LA just embraced them like crazy. LA don't care. They don't care. They already got too many teams. They don't know what to do with. It's actually one of the greatest embarrassments in sports history. And I think Dean Spanos will be the face of some crazy documentary one day where they tell the story of when the Chargers left. I was on Twitter scrolling through and boom, there it was the Dean Spanos announcement. And even though I talked about it on the air for 13 years, I was still a little surprised. I got to admit, even though I did everything to prepare my mind, I was still a little surprised that they pulled the trigger on that. Speaking of Twitter, how it's just so rapidly, you know, shoving news and opinions in your face, uh, happy people, angry people, insightful people, foolish people. Do you like it? Because I feel like it's a big part of sports radio that wasn't really there when you and I first started in the business. Twitter's an interesting one. You know, I, I think I'm just learning over the last couple of months. Um, if you're going to put something out there, expect everybody to react, right? And expect people to be – I like th- this is the one thing I don't understand is – and this is just something I got to get accustomed to in the business. I'm personally not used to – you know, somebody coming at you, right? I'm not, cause I'm not one to go at another. And I'm talking about, you know, people, right. they're going to just say whatever they can and whatever they want. There's times Twitter is a great tool where I could put up a question. I could read those, those answers on the air. That's like a topic that kind of it piggybacks off each other. So that's where I like Twitter, but I also think people are just, uh, man, the negativity on there. It's one of those, you got to be very careful with how you use it. Joe Rogan actually talks about this all the time on his podcast. Rogan always says, like, all I use these social media sites for, I put something out. I don't care what you say after. He doesn't read any of it, any of the comments, nothing. He puts out what he wants to put out, and then he leaves it at that. So Twitter is something you got to get accustomed to. There's times I I really like it. I scroll through it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, sometimes it's like, damn, this is intense. Well, Joe doesn't read the comments, but do you? I think you have to, right? Because you're interacting with fans. I read them. Yeah, I definitely read them. I read them. Um, and I guess you just got to get comfortable with, I guess, the uncomfortable of whatever comes with it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever happens, happens. And you just got to be like, all right, well, I don't care. As long as you were genuine on there and you gave your opinion and your comment, that's got to be good enough. You know, I realized I don't like it. And I, I was immersed in it. You know, I delved into Twitter. Of course, you had to be involved if you're working in sports radio. 
But now that I'm not in sports radio, I started to realize, wait, I don't like this. And I kind of detached, although I'll probably just promote this podcast on Twitter. Got Alan Sliwa on the show. But really, when we first started, the dynamic of host to caller was all there was. I don't even remember message boards being a part of the dynamic back in 2004. It was just, you know, Ted Leiter goes out to Paul and Escondido. And Paul and Escondido is a name. And he's a city. That's all he is. But the banter was entertaining. Now... I don't really like, you could call them trolls, but I don't like the anonymous aspects of Twitter. It's just not for me. It's definitely for some people, but I, I had that realization. It's not for me. The way, uh, I think the way to use Twitter is, here, here's the one thing I will say. Twitter is a different audience than who's going to be tuning in on AM radio. That's a good point. So like the one thing that Twitter can do, every Monday night I do like a half hour Twitter, YouTube, Periscope, like all together. It's basically just a Lakers show right after I'm done with my radio one. That could be a very different audience than who I had on radio. So the one way that I think I have used it is, well, I know this audience is going to be different than the one that's you know in their car. So I try to just talk to them personally, almost the same way that I talk to radio personally. I almost kind of treat them separately. Well, you've evolved. You're in the biz. Look at me. I'm a fossil. I still want the host and caller dynamic, and that's all I need. But my well, that's God. the best. I, that is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. yeah. The industry is now multimedia. It's not just called radio anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. Last two questions. The first one is, I didn't just like the Michael Jordan Bulls documentary series. I loved it. I needed it. I'm talking about, I watched these episodes like it was live. Like I was back in 1993 and I was really uh, in need of sports. You know, now I've kind of adapted, but the 10-part series was so good to me, it filled my soul. Did you watch? Did you like? What'd you think? Um, Rosie, we're both such big NBA fans. Like, to have that come out at the time that it came out, <laughs> right. and it's and it's taking you back. And, you know, you're looking at, these are all players we grew up watching. So whether it's Reggie Miller chiming in, or it's Patrick Ewing, or it's Scottie Pippen telling his story about how he, you know, eventually got to play college basketball. Like, Ugh. it's all those side stories to me that were so amazing. And, you know, Phil Jackson is, to me, the greatest. So to hear Phil and kind of get a little bit more insight. I mean, one of the best stories is when, you know, that the story of Rodman needs to go to Vegas for a couple of days. Sure, right? sure. I didn't even care about the Rodman needs to go to Vegas for a couple of days. I cared about Phil trying to convince Jordan (laughs) that Rodman needs to go for a couple days, like just that dynamic that was going on. So all those little things, um, uh, the Isaiah Thomas stuff, the magic portion of it, getting a chance to kind of see uh, so much behind the scenes. Uh, It was, it was amazing. They milked it like no tomorrow, you know, every (laughs) Sunday night, two episodes, you know, first take would spend hours on it the next day. And, Lamb beer would come in and say something as if it was all, you know, happening live. So uh, it was fantastic. It was great. I don't know if you could come out with another NBA documentary that would be um, maybe if it's something around LeBron, you know, down the road. But that's going to be a tough one to top. No, drop the mic. We're done. There's never going to be anything that tops that. And the Steve Kerr mm-hmm. stuff was so dynamite, telling the backstories. Absolutely. Of a lot of his teammates. Yeah, you're right. The reaction on sports radio was like it was all happening right now. Like, did you hear what Horace Grant said? Yeah, he's talking about something from over 20 years ago. Who cares what Horace said? When we come back, Bill Cartwright. 
We're like, what? <laughs> Why are we talking about Bill Cartwright? Like as if he's uh, as if he's a uh, Luca. Bill can't oh, even great. remember. I guess that I don't know what the fuck are you guys talking about. But the last question is the most controversial. I imagine that everybody has a different opinion on the greatest Laker of all time. So don't give me the longest answer. First, just give me the name and then explain who's the greatest Laker of all time. Greatest Laker of all time is Kobe. And I'll tell you why it's Kobe. And this is coming from Magic's my favorite player of all time. Okay. Um, look, Kobe did it for 20 years. And he did it wearing one, you know, obviously one jersey, 20 years on one team. And I think I love most about what he did was there's the Shaq era of Kobe Bryant. And then there's this completely different era with Pau Gasol and Lamar and some of these other guys. Um, I'm a... Uh, I love everything about Magic Johnson, but when I just think about how many years Kobe, the 20 years and everything else, I would say that uh, he's the greatest Laker of all time. And that's that would be my reasoning, which, by the way, if you ask five different people, right. you might get Kareem, you might get Magic, you might get, you know, you're going to get some different answers, but I would go with Kobe. Yeah, your answer is not wrong. Just like so many of these legends, that answer is not wrong. Oh, that answer is also not wrong. It's just such an incredible mm -hmm. franchise that you're covering. My man Sliwa down on ESPN LA. You're such a good dude. Honestly, I miss you and I'm wishing you the best. I appreciate you coming on this show. Well, I'm glad you reached out, Rosie. I know it's been a while. So uh, thank you and uh, I appreciate you having me on. All right, bud? Should I pick an alias to call your show tonight? Whatever you want. All right, it'll be, Whatever you want. It'll be Eugene and San Leandro wants to talk Smush Parker memories. Do you remember, was that you that told me to come up with a, uh, what did you tell me to tell your buddies? Didn't you say oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah, tagline? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I said, this is a, this is the voice of the Padres. His catchphrase is ball four. <laughs> he broadcasted a walk unlike anybody in the biz. Alan, give him the line. And you delivered ball four. Ball four. You turned ball four into a walk-off grand slam in the World Series. so confused. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, man. I don't know what I'm doing. Hey, guys, what a pleasure uh, this is. Alan Sliwa is with us, and he's ready to deliver his catchphrase. You want to give me the catchphrase uh, before we get out of here? Ball four. I don't know what I did. I, don't, I have no idea what I did. I have no idea. Oh, that's great. Um, and your home run calls did not have that enthusiasm. It was just when there was a good old-fashioned walk in the third yeah. inning. This guy lost his shit. Oh, home oh run, God. I would just be like, uh, that's 420 feet to right field. Let's keep the game moving. But ball four, ball four, I lost it. I lost it on ball you four. You say let's keep the game moving. You know, let's sprint that home run chop, pal. I got to get back to the base on balls, Tuck. All right, Alan, all the best to you and the fam. All right, Josh. I'll all talk right, to you. You too. Thank you, man. All right. All right, there he is, Alan Sliwa. Really good guy. We'll probably have a show together when we're in our 60s. So stay tuned for that. We'll start the promotion now. Actually, I could see him moving up and becoming a program director, a station owner, management, big leather chair, nameplate, box of cigars, slick back toupee. Or maybe I'll be in the toupee. Well, it's a dream of mine. I guess we can all dream. And you heard it here. Kobe, greatest Laker of all time. You agree? You disagree? You don't care? I thought he would say magic. You know, the Lakers don't just have a bunch of legendary players. They all have great names. Have you noticed that? Magic Johnson. Something special about a great name. Kobe Bryant. I read that as Kobe's career started to ascend, the amount of kids being named Kobe in America just grew exponentially. Nobody was named Kobe in America. Nowadays, you probably know somebody named Kobe. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
Wonderful name. Wilt Chamberlain. Is that the most amazing name you've ever heard? Wilt Chamberlain? Hi, I'm Wilt Chamberlain. (laughs) Yes, that's me. I am Wilt. I've never felt that with Josh Rosenberg. I don't know why. Do you like your name? You're listening right now. Do you like your name? Some of you do. I don't. No disrespect to my heritage, my lineage, my family, my relatives. I just never liked it. Actually, the name Josh is okay. It's very youthful. Not a lot of Grandpa Joshes out there. But it certainly isn't James Worthy, Elgin Baylor, Shaq, even Pat Riley. Great names. Oddly, I guess some of the greatest sports figures of all time had good names. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Reggie Jackson, Ernie Banks. Am I stumbling upon something here? Who has a shitty name in the sports world? Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Good names. You're not going to find an Ira Bogoizovich NFL star. There's no Eugene Pavlovsky in NBA history who was a perennial all-star. These athletes have great names. Huh. Huh. I'll leave you with a huh. Are you realize what's coming up next? You realize episode 100 is next. If you've made it this far, my God, I love you. Truly appreciate you. There's going to be a new song. There's going to be a new logo. I'm finally going to use my real voice on the show. You thought this was me this whole time? (laughs) No. I guess I'll reveal my real voice in episode 100. Or you want a little sneak peek right now? All right. This is really my voice. Oh, boy. I hope we all become comfortable with this as episode 100 leads to 100 more, hopefully. So this is episode 99, the real voice that I was born with. And it's now in the books, officially, and I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 